Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. 18 years, 18 years. What were you doing 18 years ago? Do you remember? Do you remember who you were 18 years ago? That might be a different question. I do. I was fresh out of college and I was in a new city. I grew up in the Midwest and I came to Charlotte to teach kindergarten. And I lived over there by North Lake Mall. North Lake Mall did not actually exist. It had not been built yet. It was just a field. This is how long ago that was, but I lived over there in a brand new apartment complex with my two college roommates. We all moved out here together to try to figure out what it meant to be a real life adult with time on our hands, you know, real paychecks, real bills, and all of those things. And so one weekend, there were not a lot of people around back then. One weekend, all of a sudden, I had all of these new neighbors all at the same time. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Like, everybody moves in at the same time. Okay, that, whatever. Then I realized they all knew each other. And I was like, is this a cult? Like, what? What am I in the middle of right now? I need to be aware of something. All of these people know each other. And it turns out that it was actually uh, Pastor Naeem and Pastor Ashley and their launch team. And they had moved up from Charleston, South Carolina to come to Charlotte to start Mosaic Church. They came to plant Mosaic Church here. And so they invited me to, I got to know some of the people there because they were always around me, just everywhere. And they invited me to a launch team meeting. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna check this out. Go figure out what's your vision. You know, what are you gonna do as a church that's different? What's your heart? What are you guys about? And so I went to that first launch team meeting and I never went back to my other church. <laughs> I have been here every single day ever since uh, for 18 years. And what's funny is that I remember not long after that first meeting, writing in my journal that I still have and writing and praying to God and saying how confused I was because I, had, I was choosing to stay in Charlotte, which meant leaving in the Midwest, the boyfriend that I had at the time, you know, single girl in their 20s, if you don't know that they've got one thing they're going for and that's marriage. At least that was for me. I can tell you that right now. So I was real confused. I was like, God, I think I have this thing, but I feel like you called me to Charlotte. And I remember writing down that maybe Mosaic was the reason that God actually brought me to this city. And I can say 18 years later that it 100% was. So Naeem and Ashley, thank you so much for taking me in, for taking me under your wing. Thank you, Naeem, for the opportunity to speak today and to get to do this. Um, but I remember there was so much buzz that first Sunday that we launched in January of 2006. We were doing something different. Charlotte was, or Mosaic was doing something different in Charlotte. We were doing church a different way and everybody knew about it. I mean, we had 
um, advertisements in bars downtown. We put things like covered our back windshields of our car with the Mosaic logo. We wanted everybody to know. And so the Charlotte Observer actually came out to feature our first service and feature our first service here in Charlotte. And so we have a picture. I was so excited to get to be in the newspaper. Can we throw that up? All right. So see this cute brunette in the front? That is not me. If you look over this guy's shoulder to like the headless body behind the guitar, that's me, guys. That's me. I was in the paper. This was our first service. I was on the worship team. I was on the worship team when Mosaic started. You can take that down now. I was on the worship team. Uh, that's what they said to me, actually, when I was on stage. They said, please, give us your microphone. We will love for you to do anything but sing. That's a true story. So I did. I volunteered on every single team that Mosaic has to offer. Um, and I've been able to walk with a lot of people and experience some really, really special moments here. And then six years ago, I came on staff to help start a second campus called Metro that we were starting in Plaza Midwood, closer into the city. And so I had to um, then start preaching so that I could get my microphone back and find this moment again where I was back here on stage. Yes, thank you very much. I will clap for myself. <laughs> so I know some of you have experienced kind of the same thing too, and that's why you're here today. Or maybe that's why you're watching online, you're watching this video back later, because someone suggested to you, hey, I've got a church that's a little bit different. Hey, I've got a church that might be what you're looking for. Hey, Mosaic has some messages, some things, some content that maybe you haven't seen in other places. And so we are in a series right now called I Quit. And we've been having conversations the last couple of weeks talking about the things that we need to quit in our lives so we can actually experience fuller lives, so we can live the lives that God actually has for us. So if you missed it, you can catch them online on our YouTube channel or on our podcast that we've talked about the God that you need to quit believing in. We've talked about the Bible that you need to quit reading. And this morning, we are going to talk about the church that you need to quit going to. Now, a lot of the world has already quit going to church. There was a study done last year that actually said there were 40 million Americans that have stopped attending church over the last 25 years. That is 12% of the American population. And it's actually the largest shift like that that we've seen in the American church in a while. And I think maybe we can be tempted or some of us were even taught to say things like, well, that's just the problem, you know? This is just the problem with the world, that people would just get back to church. If everybody would just go back to church, then everything would be better and the world would be a better place. But I'm not sure that that's actually the answer that we think that it is. I'm going to give you four kinds of churches that I think if you attend are not actually going to make things any better. And they can all be found in a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in Matthew 16. You can go ahead and pull that up. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? He's like, all right, everybody's waiting for this Messiah. So like, what are they saying? Who are they looking at? Who are they pointing to? Who, who is, what's the rumor? What's the speculation? Well, they replied, some say it's John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. 
Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And we're gonna pause right here for a second because we already see the first church that we need to quit. And that is a church that is not built on Jesus. It sounds basic enough, right? You're like, yes, thank you for this mind-blowing information. I know, it seems like it should be simple and easy. We need to quit the church that is not built on Jesus, but let's unpack it a little bit. This is actually the first time that the word church is used in the entire Bible. This is the first time that we see it used, and Jesus is the one who chooses to use it, and he uses the Greek word ekklesia. Can you say ekklesia? And it essentially just means a group of people, which is what Jesus had already established in his disciples. He wasn't telling them, hey, go start a construction project. He wasn't telling them to go find buildings that could house their organized religions. But he knew what they did not know yet, that soon he would no longer be with them. And they would be the ones to carry on his mission, to carry on his ministry which was why he had already started sending them out, if you read the gospels, two by two into towns, into places, effectively to practice, to go out and talk about Jesus and share his teachings and let other people know about him. Another guy named Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he's credited as being like a church father to many of those very first early churches. He also reminded his church leaders of this importance in Acts 4. He said, Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, the cornerstone of their faith, the cornerstone of what Jesus is calling this group of people, his church. He's referring back to the words of Jesus and even the prophet Isaiah. And so we have to ask ourselves, what or who is your church founded on? What is the thing that upholds it all? Is it Jesus or is it a celebrity pastor? Maybe how many books they can write or how many people watch their their TV telecast? Is it founded on a worship team or a a worship leader? Maybe another celebrity worship leader and, and what upholds the church and keeps it going is the number of songs that they can get out into mainstream worship. Is it denominational requirements? Is your church being held up by elders and deacons and boards and the preservation of tradition that nobody really actually understands other than this is what we have to do because this is the way it's always been done. Naeem, uh, Pastor Naim even told us last week that the Bible cannot be the foundation of our church. It has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. So if we go back and finish verse 18, after he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. He says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This simply reflects back the truth of who Jesus is, the importance that he is the living Messiah. Again, he knew that soon his death was going to bring in a whole entire new way of living. That in his death, he was gonna make sure that death was no longer the ending for everyone else. And so that even in our lives, no matter how hard the enemy were to come, how hard Satan would be to fight back against all of the good and the hope that he was doing in the world, he would not be able to change the truth of who Jesus is. And so choosing to live a life with Jesus means that that power of God is also within us. It means that that power is also within us. 
It is within you. So no matter what kind of evil comes your way, no matter what ploy or attack or plan of the enemy comes at you, you will be stronger to face it. He will not take you down, not in physical death, not in the trials and the things that you're facing because the hope of Christ will always be bigger and stronger and it cannot be destroyed by the power of evil. Amen. A church that is founded on Jesus also cannot be destroyed by the powers of evil. So we have to quit the church that is not built on Jesus. That's the first one. Not too bad, right? I know, I think some of you are getting nervous. You're like, I just got to church and now you're telling me I need to quit church? It's all right. Everybody take a breath. It's all good. I also might be easing you in. So, you know, (laughs) maybe also buckle up. I don't know. All right. Peter, my husband and I, recently were out at a restaurant and we stumbled upon a speakeasy when we were out to dinner. A speakeasy is basically like a secret club or like a bar that is hidden underneath the restaurant. And the only way to get in is if you know the password. You have to know the password. We found out about it and we were talking to the wait staff and we were asking like about it and they pretended like they didn't even know it existed. And we were like, uh, we know what it is. Now, you good Christians, You're like, I've never had this experience. I don't know what you're talking about. Speakeasy bar. Well, me, I was not leaving until I figured out how to get in there. So that is actually exactly what we did. But have you experienced this where you have to know the right information to get into a place? Maybe it's a country club and there's a specific dress code. You have to dress a certain way for entrance. Maybe it's a special event and there's a very specific guest list. And if your name is not on there or if they misspelled your name and it doesn't match up to your driver's license, you're not getting in. Have you had this kind of experience? It shouldn't be the case at our churches, but I think a lot of times it often is. And so the, church, the second church that you need to quit is the church that restricts access to Jesus. Jesus goes on in Matthew. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He's like, you don't have to worry anymore about a password. You don't have to worry about a dress code. You don't even have to throw my name around. Everybody gets in. Everybody gets in. And this was a big idea, a big deal, even then, because the idea, even back in Jesus's time, was that only certain people got in to the temple. When they gathered together to worship, only certain people were allowed past a certain point. There were a lot of rules about who could and could not get in, and most people could not. Even for the few that were allowed into the temple, once they were there, then there was even another divider. There was a curtain that hung to... um, make a difference between the holy place and the holiest of holy places where God's presence actually resided. So every step of the way, as people tried to get closer and closer to God, there was a barrier. A few chapters later in Matthew, um, he's writing about Jesus's death and he talks about this very part of the temple. He says that when Jesus released his spirit on the cross, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when Jesus released his spirit, that barrier between God and people, that divider between God and real regular people was no longer needed. It was no longer necessary 
There is no more barrier now between heaven and earth. You have access. You have access to God. You don't have to go through another person. The, the divider, the barrier is no longer there. And so even though Jesus opened that door, he opened it initially. Then he gave the responsibility to the church to make sure that that door stays open. That responsibility now belongs to us. We stand at the door between heaven and earth with the keys, deciding who gets to pass through. And I think too many churches take this a little bit uh, too, like too much power, maybe like a bouncer in a club, and they let it go to their heads. And so what a lot of people actually experience when they go to church is this very thing. And they stand here and they're like, hey, welcome. Everybody's welcome. We love everyone. Everyone is welcome here. Welcome behind the barrier. And then people start to come up, right? They start to come in. Maybe they can be in the lobby. Maybe they can even sit in service. But if you want to be like in, in, it's one of these. Hey, oh, I know you. Oh yeah, come on in guy. Hey, I have that shirt. I think we must shop at the same place. So funny how we always look the same, right? Come on in. Oh, sorry, you um, not only are you not wearing the right outfit, I'm not even sure, where are you from? Like, you really don't look like us. So I don't think you're going to understand us in here. We're certainly not going to understand you. Um, I think if you go down the street, there's probably a place for you that's, that worships. You know, you can go there. Hey, God loves you. Have a great day. Or maybe somebody comes up, nervous. It's their first time. And so the church is like, oh, you're nervous? It's okay, don't worry. You can come in, we got you. What, you thought we weren't gonna let you in because you're a sinner? <laughs> We're all sinners, you picked the right ones. You pick the sinners that we, the sins that we overlook. We're okay with those, come on in. Oh, but your friend, no. I read a Bible verse about you. Y'all think I'm kidding. I read a Bible verse about you that says, you act, oh, sorry, God wants you to change before you can come in here. It's not me, I love everybody. It's God. God wants you to be different before you can come in. The church needs to quit gatekeeping heaven to a specific group of people. We are going to quit the church that restricts access to people. Let's actually look at 2 Corinthians, just in case you think I'm like super off my rocker up here. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, you're gonna help me read this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for and therefore died. And he who died for who? All. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is pretty clear that Jesus came for all people, not some people. Anyone who believes gets access to God. Anyone who believes in him gets in, and it is our job as the church to make sure that happens. Back to Paul. Back to Paul, the church father, again in Acts. He says that not only should we give people access, but we should make it easy. Acts 15, 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles. That was the other people group of the time who are turning to God. Restricting access to Jesus makes it pretty difficult for people to turn to God. Now, there are some churches that like to preach 
that Jesus drew a line in the sand. They actually use this truth to justify their behaviors and their actions because they want you to believe that Jesus came to separate the holy from the unholy and the righteous from the unrighteous. The problem is, depending on your denomination, those lines look a lot different. Take baptism, for example. In some denominations, if you are not fully submerged in the baptism, if you just got sprinkled, maybe as a baby, then your baptism doesn't actually count. So you can't take communion. You're not a real Christian yet. There are lots of other things that certain denominations believe. You know what that is? Line in the sand. There are other places that they say, hey, we are so grateful that you've been a part of us for so long. We know you've been a really, really great leader and we're sorry to hear that you got divorced, but because you did, you can no longer be a leader here at our church. Line in the sand. You got the call to preach and teach? That's amazing. That's so excellent. I'm sorry that you're a female. That means you absolutely cannot do it. Line in the sand. You see, what happens here is we draw lines between each other, but Jesus never actually drew a line in the sand. The only time that he bent down and put his finger to the sand was to protect and to stand up for a marginalized woman who was being mistreated by the religious leaders of the time. Scholars don't know. We don't know exactly what he wrote, but most people agree that he was probably writing words. He was writing something in the sand to get them to change their mind and back off and leave her alone. He didn't draw a dividing line. Even if he had, he would have been standing on the same side as that marginalized woman. We have to quit the church that restricts access to Jesus because he opened the door to everyone. Okay, let's get back to our passage. Matthew 16, verse 19. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I had to read this one a lot of times. I was like, there is absolutely no way that God is giving this kind of authority to people. Whatever we forbid is gonna be forbidden in heaven and whatever we permit will be permitted in heaven. I had to look this up. So I was like, this cannot be true. So I have a couple other versions of the exact same verse that we're gonna read. The ERV is the first one. When you speak judgment here on earth, that judgment will be God's judgment. When you promise forgiveness here on earth, that forgiveness will be God's forgiveness. Huh, okay, let's go to the next one. The things you don't allow on earth will be the things that God does not allow. The things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. Outside of sounding like a Dr. Seuss book a little bit, it's pretty straightforward, right? <clears throat> we have one more. You will tell people here on earth what is right for them to do, and you will tell them what is not right for them to do. God in heaven will give you this authority. He will agree with what you say. You guys, <laughs> this is the power that has been given to us as Jesus's church. Now, it is not a command. We are not commanding God like a robot. We are not saying jump for God to say how high. But it is power and authority of a way of saying that God has said to us, you speak for me. You speak for me. And I don't know to what literal extent that's actually gonna look like. I don't know to what literal extent that's going to play out. But what I do know is that the watching world believes this to be true. 
And so when we say that we speak for God, they believe us. They believe that whatever we say as Christians, as the church, are a reflection of what God is saying. And so the third church that we need to quit is the church that is reckless with Jesus. Jesus is saying to us, your words matter. So when you say God is for something, people believe you. When you say God is against something or against a people group, people will believe you. They believe us. The world believes us. And there are churches that have done some serious damage because they didn't realize the power that they had in the weight of their words. There are people who used to be part of a church and now the only time they use the word church is when they're talking about their church hurt because they have left not only that one church, but the entire big C global church because someone that they trusted said something terrible to them, said something hurtful to them. And they said that it was the word of God. And that pastor or that leader or that person may not even remember the words that they said. It could have just been in a conversation, a flippant statement that was made. But because those words were attached to God's name, those words have rooted themselves and weighed down the life of someone for years. There are other churches, other people who are no longer part of a church because their pastor told them that COVID wasn't real. That if they had enough faith, that if they prayed the right way and they used the blood of Jesus, he would protect them from illness. And those were empty promises that left not only empty seats in their churches where those people used to sit, but also empty, broken families who are now wondering, well, why didn't God do what he was promising to do? Because that's what this person told me God said. Or we have other families who cannot reconcile in their minds why God would say one thing and then not follow through, and that's not how it actually happened. So they're also exiting the church and they're leaving because the words of God did not work out for them. And it's not just pastors. This is not just for pastors and church staffers. This is all of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. Look at social media. Look at the things that get shared around, right? As God's word. Because somebody took a verse out of context and slapped it onto their own opinion, put a Bible verse with it and was like, hey, this is what God said. And it just gets shared around and people believe it because God said so. When really it's just that like Aunt Linda figured out how to put a pretty background behind her Facebook status. Our words matter. They matter. They have weight. You can say whatever you want and you can have whatever opinion you want until you put God's name on it. The world believes us when we use God's name to boycott businesses because we tell people that it will make God happy. They believe us when we say that you have to vote to pass specific legislation because we've taken a scripture and we've twisted it and we've paraded it around to fit an agenda that is for God. The world believes us when we tell them as Christians that they have to blindly align with the political party based on the blanket statement that their representatives are the only ones who always uphold the values of God. They believe us. When we say these things are from God, people don't check the scriptures. They don't take the time to process. They just believe us because God said so. Churches that are reckless with Jesus are misrepresenting who God is. 
And so when people look at the institution of the church, this is the answer to our question. This is why they're leaving. What they see is they see hypocritical leadership. They see hidden racism. They see covered up misogyny. They see divisive agendas. They see judgment. They see cliques. And they have a distorted view of who God is and what he supposedly allows. They might not believe in the God that we're telling them about, but they believe who he is based on what we're saying. They might not believe in him, but could it be because the God that we're presenting them, to, presenting to them, they want nothing to do with. That is a church that they want nothing to do with. They've learned to see church as a means of control whose sole purpose is just to get people to do whatever is best for the institution. And they want nothing to do with it. Honestly, I want nothing to do with it also. I want nothing to do with it. We have to quit churches that are reckless with the way they represent Jesus. And the last church, last one, the last church that I want you to quit is the church that you're just attending. I want you to quit the church that you're going to. You're like, we're here right now. I know, don't get up. Don't get up, please stay seated. This message really is not about a building. It's not really about a gathering spot. It's not really about where you sit on Sundays, right? Remember, even though back then in this, in this story of Jesus, even though they weren't using the word church, they were still doing church. They were still gathering together. They were still singing songs. They were still reading scriptures. They were still talking about Jesus's teaching. So what's different here, what Jesus is saying is that he's ca calling his followers to become the church in the way that they live. I want you to quit the church that you're just attending and join the movement of the church in becoming like Jesus. We have to become the church. This is another important point that Paul made sure to reiterate again in Acts. And he said, the God who made the world and everything in it, who is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by human hands. Remember, Paul was out planting churches. He was starting new churches in every city that he went to, but he was reminding them things are different now. God doesn't live in man-made places anymore. We don't have to create boxes to carry his spirit from place to place like the Israelites had to do as they were moving through the wilderness. We don't have to create temples with dividing walls, with very specific dimensions, with curtains and other dividers. We no longer have to do that. It's like Jeannie from Aladdin. You guys remember the movie Aladdin? Remember the scene where we are introduced to Jeannie and he's like, I had to write it down so I didn't mess it up. He's like, phenomenal cosmic power. Anybody living in space? You guys remember this? That's not who God is, okay? We don't confine him to a lamp. We don't confine him to a box. We don't confine him to a church building. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you have invited the Holy Spirit in to help you live out a life that reflects Christ just to the best of your abilities, then God actually lives in you. He lives in you. You are the church. Some of you, to become the church, it does mean that you have to go to a place where other people are actually doing the same thing. The internet is great for bringing the service to you. But at a certain point, if that's the only church you're ever getting, it's essentially the same thing as watching a moving TV show or an inspiring movie. Those pastors, those people cannot disciple you through the screen. There is no one else there to help you see how God wants to uniquely develop you 
and help you to become the best version of yourself. If you want to become the church that Jesus is calling you to be, then you have to engage with other people and you can't do that by yourself. And it is hard. I know, I know it is hard. It is so hard because things have been different and a lot of people used to go to church and I think deep down they want to go back. Remember this as you're thinking about friends and family members, you're confused about why they're not back yet. It is hard and it is scary and it is disappointing. A lot of people just fell out of the habit over the pandemic and it's been difficult to rearrange their schedule and to get back in because they probably filled that time with something else. Even if it's just, this is the time in our week when we do nothing, that's still something that is taking up that spot. But delaying going back isn't going to make it easier. There is never going to be a right time to go back and get involved in the church. And it's scary to think about how much has changed, right? It's disappointing even to acknowledge that so much has changed. Maybe the people that you knew are no longer there. Maybe the services look different. It might even be meeting in a different location. And it's scary and it's weird to try to re-engage with a new crowd and things that you don't know. But romanticizing the past is keeping you from your future. So we can sit in what was and we can stay stuck in the reflections and all of the things that used to be, or we can bravely take a step forward into creating the next chapter and what Jesus has for our lives. I'm not immune to this as a pastor. I came on staff six years ago to start a second campus called Metro. And I loved that campus. I, lo- I still love those people. And I am a little bit, honestly, low-key frustrated with God that I don't know why it didn't last. But instead of sitting in that, like Pastor Naeem mentioned, we have to look ahead to all of the people, the thousands of people that God is letting us not just us as a staff, us as a community, influence for Jesus. The people that we get to love and care for in whatever season we get to have them. God has brought them here to us for a reason. I believe that with everything in me. And the only way that we can do that and be that church for people in need, people who have been told they don't fit in other places, is for us to show up and be here so that we can let God work in us and through us. God designed us for community. He designed us to come together so people can, we can challenge each other and have joy. It is fun to be together. It's, it's a very different experience than when you're watching at home online. And so I'm not saying just start going to church out of obligation. I'm not saying start going to church because you're supposed to, or it's your way to show God like how much, you know, you're so serious about being a Christian and doing what he says. But find a church where you can connect emotionally to the mission and why they exist, where you can see and even feel the presence of God when you're there, where you find yourself growing more in love with Jesus, knowing more about God, even if at the same time you feel like you know less about him because you're realizing how big and complex that he is. Find a place where the people might not be perfect, but they are honest and they are real and they are kind you're not going to find the perfect church. So look for one like, you know, 80, 90% that's pretty good. I think I would start there. Amazon hasn't figured that one out quite yet to get us the exact church that we need, which means you're gonna have to compromise a little bit. The music might be a little bit too loud. The drive might be a little bit further. 
than ideal. The pastor might be a little more extra than you are used to. But if you find a church, when you find those people who, whose heart aligns with yours and the mission of what they're doing, jump in and help create it. That is the way that we become the church. At Mosaic, we exist to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus because we believe that there are a lot of other churches who have added things on, that have added things on to Jesus's message and to scripture, that have added things on to his movement of the church. They've made it too hard for people. They've added on extra rules and conditions and religion. And we wanna be a church that is focused on Jesus, bringing as many people to his table as we can. If that sounds good to you, if you're like, yes, this is what we need. We need more churches like this. Please jump in and join us. We need you to help us. We need you to help us create this together. We even created a podcast called Becoming Church, which is effectively a tool. Thank you. <laughs> I host it. That's why they're cheering. Um, it's a really good podcast, but well, it's basically a tool. We made it as a resource for you guys. And we have authors and therapists and comedians and social media influencers and all kinds of people on to talk about how you can live out your faith and what it looks like to be the church in whatever stage your life is or whatever kind of life you have. So we would love for you to listen to that. It's a great way to ease into the idea of the church being about more than just this here on Sunday mornings. So for some of you to become the church, you need to show up. It's time to show up. Some of you need to just invest financially. We have people that watch on live stream, some of our most devoted live stream viewers don't live in Charlotte. They live in other states or even other countries but they give to us financially to support the ministry because they believe in the mission of Mosaic and what we're doing here. Some of you need to join a small group or a team so that you can allow yourself to be known by other people. And some of you need to volunteer to help us create that experience that you found and just something felt different when you bravely walked in to a new place for the first time. We believe in the church of Jesus so much. And we, we think that there is room for everyone. There's room for everyone. We would love to have you join us for another 18 years, even if that's how it would work out. So let's quit going to church and instead together become the church that Jesus called us to be. If you will stand with me, I'll pray for us if you guys want to stand. <clears throat> God, we thank you for this time Lord, I thank you for just the opportunity to be here, God, to speak your message to the people that need to hear it. God, I pray that our lives would be lived in such a way, Lord, that they're founded on you. God, that we bring people to you. God, I pray that if we are keeping anyone out, God, if we're letting anything else be the foundation of our life, God, that you would show it to us. God, I pray that we would reflect and represent you well, not because we have to do it perfectly, God, but because it's what you've called us to do. I pray that we would remember and understand the responsibility that comes with the weight of calling ourselves a Christian. God, would you just allow your spirit to speak loudly and clearly to us? God, in our minds and our hearts and our conversations and the things that we type online, the things that we say with our thumbs. God, would you just help become the filter, Lord, that, that we need in this world? And God, for all of the people who are thinking about leaving the church, God, 
I pray that your message would find them. God, whether it's Mosaic, that is the place that they find, or there's another church that's out there for them. God, I pray that you would just continue to draw people in, that you would soften their hearts, that you would clear their minds of all of the other voices. God, and so they would be able to see the distinction between you and certain churches. God, the distinction between you and Christians even. We thank you that you are good and you are kind and you are true. God, help us to share exactly who you are in this world. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.